Welcome to Rhythm, Routine, and Reverence, the podcast that inspires parents and caregivers to craft and create a nourishing and nurturing home that supports the entire family, head, heart, and hands. Welcome to Rhythm, Routine, and Reverence. My guest today is Bailey Van Tassel. She's a home gardener, writer, and podcaster, as well as the founder of a national gardening club, Her goal is to get more people gardening, especially in suburbia and small spaces like she has. Bailey's mission is to make gardening an American pastime and a part of our innate culture. Her hope is to have more families raise their kids with a reverence for nature and an instinct for growing their own food and flowers. Bailey has a monthly membership for all U.S. hardiness zones called the Kitchen Garden Society or you can find her on her podcast, The Garden Culture Podcast. Her website is thekitchengardensociety.com and baileyvantassel.com, B-A-I-L-E-Y-V-A-N-T-A-S-S-E-L.com. You'll find all of the links and information that we discussed in the show notes. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. We also touched on how to garden as a mother and raising a family and having young children at your feet and making space for things that you love, uh, even as you are caregiving at home. Hey, before you dig into today's episode, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that my newest course, Winter in the Home, is officially open for enrollment. This is the final season to complete my seasonal system series, and it's one of my favorites. Winter is a time to slow down, embrace the darkness, and to turn towards our inner light. But it can also be the most demanding of our time, especially for those who celebrate holidays in the month of December. My courses are designed to help you clarify and set intentions for yourself and your family this season, and to create practical and tangible plans so that your rhythms, routines, and rituals align with your vision and values. You're welcome to use the coupon code PODCAST15, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-1-5, for 15% off of any of my courses. Head to store.meganrosewilson.com to learn more, and I'll put that in the show notes. And to start bringing more warmth, connection, and intention into your home this season. Welcome, Bailey. I'm so excited to connect you in this way. I love all the inspiration that you share on Instagram, and especially that knack you have for connecting the physical and the practical side of gardening with the spiritual benefits and your own personal growth. So I'd love for you to start by telling us a little bit more about yourself and your journey into founding the Kitchen Garden Society and just, you know, how you started gardening in the first place. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a joy to get to chat in person. Yeah. So I started gardening and I live in Southern California. So that will be important here in a minute. But I started gardening as a little bit of a I was seeking out some sort of groundedness, return to my root moment when I felt like I started having kids and I really wanted a different life than I was thinking I could provide for them. So we live like in the suburbs of Orange County, California, 
I grew up on a little hobby farm up in Northern California, and it was very, very country living. And I like ran away from that at one point in my life and then realized I wanted to return to that to raise my own kids. It's like this very age old classic story. And, you know, so of course, one day I wake up and I'm like, okay, babe, we need to go buy a farm. We need to leave California. Like we need to, and he's, my husband's like, you know, owns a business here. And we're like, okay, hold your horses. Very short. I decided that I just wanted to start my sort of someday dream of having a big garden like my godmother had growing up. And I was going to start small. Just, we had a townhouse again, like suburbs where we were. Cause I was like, I just need, I just felt like I desperately needed to do something kind of more related to my roots and rooted in nature. And so I got started just with what I had, where I was, my son was eight months old. I now have three kids and I immediately just fell in love with gardening, but I didn't feel like there were a lot of modern resources for someone like me, like a busy sort of suburban mom. And I also felt very confused by my climate. And I didn't realize as a brand new gardener that there were U.S. hardiness zones that were different throughout the entire country because most of the gardening like books and sort of general information websites are sort of middle of the country centric. They were they're based on the hardiness zones, sort of like the victory gardening era, a lot of these resources. So I founded the Kitchen Garden Society, which is a national gardening club, essentially, that helps you understand what to do in your specific hardiness zone every single month of the year. And then we fill that in with fun inspiration for living seasonally, living with nature as a part of your life, eating seasonally, all those things. That's awesome. Yeah. I, some of my story is similar where I, I, well, not the beginnings. I definitely grew up very urban without anything. I can vividly remember having a chive plant in our backyard when I was little. And that was like literally the only kitchen garden that we had. And I loved it. I thought it was so magical. But when my son, my oldest was little, and we were living in Australia. I was really interested in um, gardening and homesteading. And we also lived only in like a tiny little townhouse. We had a little porch as like a backyard, just like a little wooden platform. And I just started putting plants into containers like vegetables and, and experimenting and trying. And that's how I learned. And so that kind of brings me to my next question, which is if there are parents out there who, with limited outdoor space and or gardening experience. How could they start incorporating gardening activities into their family's routines? And would you recommend indoor potted plants or herb gardens or just like one big container to begin with? Like, yeah, what would be your approach for those who don't have a lot of space? Yeah, I think that there so many things that you can do. I, I definitely recommend an indoor herb garden. I also, there are some really fun activities for kids where you can regrow plants from kitchen scraps. Like mm -hmm. you can use, you know, a head of romaine lettuce and plant that in the windowsill and watch it regrow just to really inspire some of that awe and magic in the kids. So every morning they'll wake up and the romaine will be like regrown a little bit more and more. So it's like very instant gratification gardening for the kids. And you can even start like radish seeds in a windowsill and those germinate very, very fast. And that's very exciting for children. 
But then I would graduate up to a windowsill herb, herb container garden for sure, especially in the winter months if you get a really bright countertop or table in the house. And then from there, you can even just do one single pot on a patio or if you live in an apartment, like by the front entryway. There are so many ways to get creative. And I think sometimes being forced to be creative, often we need our children, I feel like, to inspire us to think outside the box because that's Mm -hmm. more motivating to us than fulfilling you know, what might feel like a silly or whimsical desire for us. But when it's like for the kids, I'll do anything, right? So, but yeah, even if you have just one pot and I started out with one single pot that I think was like 18 to 20 inches, both wide and deep. And I put like five or six plants in it. So you could even put in like some rainbow chard, some strawberries and some pansies, all of which are edible and have this little micro garden, throw some chives in there if you want to, or you could get Garlic grows really beautifully in a pot along with, you know, some spinach, other leafy greens. There's so much you can do with just one pot. Yeah. But I would kind of think about, is it just for fun? Is it to look pretty? Do we want to experiment with different things? Do we want to grow as many things as we can. But really with tiny scraps of space, you can just do so much and it's really can be really satisfying. I have some friends who also live in, I think they live in the Midwest. I want to say like, Cincinnati or something, hypothetically. And they rent a ton of land as well as use community garden space. And they've replaced the grocery store entirely without any acreage whatsoever. So it really is kind of how determined are you? How much do you love it? What are your goals? You know, and go from there. Yeah. And along the same lines, for those of us, because we are going into winter right now, I know my zone, my hardiness zone is like 5B. And I just downloaded one of your resources. What's the official title of it? If, I, if it was like the, the planting. It's probably calendar. a planting calendar. Yeah. A planting calendar. Yeah. And I love it. But now there's, I'm of course, I downloaded it in the month where there's like three months of nothing, <laughs> which was my <laughs> point because I'm like, this is going to be the year that I'm going to actually follow the timing a little bit more because we moved Mm. from Australia to Canada to this zone about seven years ago. And we have played, we've had huge gardens and then we've had just one little box depending on our energy levels and what we wanted to do that year. But the hardest part I have found in this zone is planting out at just the right time because if the season gets cut short, then often we don't have like the fruits of our labor at the end of the season. So I'm really excited to use that. But I was wondering for people who are coming into winter, are there things that they can be doing right now to prepare for the spring? What ways can they be kind of planning and dreaming up and considering things? Yeah. Oh my gosh. This, I feel like this is my favorite, one of my favorite times because it's, the dreaming part, you know, you're collecting and researching and kind of dreaming up what you're going to do. So there's so much to be done. So first and foremost, I think is again, to sort of get right with your goals. Like, are we growing as a hobby for fun? Do we want to replace some vegetables that we would otherwise buy from the grocery store or all of them or none of them? Are we growing flowers? Like, you know, what is the purpose? What are we most excited to do and try mm-hmm. and start getting a list together, all the things that you want to grow? I always have a folder within like my Instagram, a notepad on my phone, and then also like a Pinterest board, all of which are dedicated to just like gardening and 
inspiration, like the types of plants I want to try, different varieties, all of different design elements, just like, you know, so I always have kind of these buckets I can access when it's time to plan. And I do a deep dive on what my goals are and then what all the plants are that I want to try and grow. And then I kind of start to do a little bit of a deeper dive in in terms of my climate and hardiness zone and what's going to do well. So let's say you definitely want to grow tomatoes, but there are going to be certain varieties of tomato that are best suited for your goals. So if you are trying to grow enough tomatoes to make all the marinara that your family consumes, you're going to want to grow a tomato that's best suited for canning and you're going to want to grow a lot. So you're going to want to maximize your yield and find a variety of tomato that puts out more tomatoes than the other plants. And further specific to tomatoes, you can grow something called a two liter system, which means you prune your tomatoes the very beginning so that they have two primary vines that go up instead of just one. So you're doubling the amount of tomatoes that you want. So this is why the planning period is, I think, exciting and important is depending on how serious you want to get with the kitchen garden, there's a little bit more sort of research and investigating to do. And then you're going to want to decide when to start your tomatoes, if you're going to start them inside versus outside. And that's a little bit of a complex example because something maybe like bush beans, for example, you wouldn't be pruning them in a certain way. You'd kind of just decide you want them. How many do you want? You know, are you just growing some? Are you replacing them all? That's how I think about it. Um, And so that is what I dedicate the winter months to. So I get like all my seed catalogs and just like a little kid planning for Christmas. I'm like circling everything I like. And then I go back through and I think about, you know, strategically, what can we actually grow? What do I want to grow the most of? Um, I'll be doing a gardening workshop in the beginning of January and we'll dive a lot more into this planning system. But I like to prioritize everything based on, you know, what are we trying? What crops are we replacing? And those are kind of the primary priority plants. And then we plan everything around that with beneficial companions and herbs and flowers and all that. Yeah, but um, the beneficial, the companion planting I find is is sometimes tricky. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that it's, it feels really crucial. And I think it's actually, it's very important, but for someone that lacks confidence and it starts to feel overwhelming, Mm -hmm. it's like not that big of a deal. It's not like you're not going to be able to grow tomatoes if you forget to put marigold and borage and chives and, you know, basil next to it. It's just going to be better if you do potentially. And there are a lot of benefits to getting sort of the biodiversity, right? Mm. But it's still worth a try if you're just like, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to throw things in the ground. Yeah. You'll still be successful to a degree there as well. And what are your like three or four favorite things that you would like always plant no matter what, hands down? Yeah. I mean, oh gosh, I always, always plant, um, you know, it's funny. It's, It's the small thing. I always plan. I always have chives growing. I always have herbs, rosemary, oregano, thyme, always nasturtium. It's my absolute favorite plant, which is a flower technically, but you can eat the leaves and the seeds and the flowers. And I just love, they're so useful and they're trap plants and they're attracting pollinators and they're taking aphids away from other plants, but they're just the best. 
And I always do, I love a fall garden. So I always grow lettuce and spinach and um, really big fan of some of the more um, quirky like cauliflowers because they taste so much better. So I'm like really obsessed with cheddar cauliflower, which is an orange cauliflower. So I've started honing in on like all of the obscure plants that I always grow, but we always grow onions as well and garlic, potatoes, like some of those real basic crops that I also feel like when they're grown on a mass scale, we forget that they're not always maybe grown as cleanly as we'd like. So I like to get some of those big staple crops in the garden. And usually they're a little bit more set it and forget it than you think. You know, you don't need to prune onions and potato plants. Like they kind of just forget about them a little bit and let them do their thing. Yeah. We've done potatoes many times and it's so fun for the kids. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But we, and the last time we did it, which was about two years ago, we had the first and only and worst infestation of, I guess, I don't know what they are. They're like a grub, like a white, and they ruin all the nightshades. Um, I've never seen anything like it. So I was turned off of potatoes for a year. We took a break and I was like, I don't know what we're going to do next year. But those are kind of the lessons and the learning in growing your Mm -hmm. own garden and how hard it can be some years, like how different it can be from year to year. Yeah. We had like plague level Japanese beetles this Mm -hmm. summer in the garden, end of summer. And I didn't really think too much down the road about it, which was a huge mistake. But then of course they laid all their eggs in the garden. And then we had grubs similar to like they're prehistoric looking, these little white grubs. And they were like, every time I dug into the soil or like lifted up a piece of irrigation, there were like dozens. And it was like an infestation. And I'm over here, like I'm at this point, I'm like a, basically a professional vegetable gardener and I can't grow anything because these grubs have taken over. And I basically just had my kids out there. Luckily they're four and six. And then I've got, you know, the baby, but he's just along for the ride. And I'm like a penny for every grub. Like we'll do anything. I was actually, I was like, if I could go back in time, I would have hosted like a party and had all the kids that like bugs coming over and been like, get as many grubs as you want. I'll serve you pizza and ice cream and make it like a fun thing, like a grub dig. So idea. Yeah, no, that's in, in the, the thing. It makes you appreciate because really in some situations like that, the the solution is you have to go out there and just pick them hand, like by hand, one by one. <laughs> For sure. I mean, and we tried nematodes and a few other things that worked to a degree. I think I just have a little too much garden and I wasn't willing to invest the time and money in the solution. However, that being said, I was like, thank God it's not. I mean, as much as I preach, let's replace the grocery store. I'm like, thank goodness this isn't the 17th century because we'd be starving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it it this... ruined my first entire round of fall crops and I had to replace everything. Mm-hmm. So it was a situation. Yeah. Well, that leads into my next question too, which is like, as a busy mom with three kids, you're an entrepreneur, like how do you make time for not only the garden, but other uh, pieces of like self-care and tending to yourself? Are you like a type A, like kind of organized and time blocking your days? Or do you just kind of go with the flow of each day? I'm really curious how you manage all these different (laughs) things. Well, you can probably guess maybe by just interfacing with me. And it took me a really long time. And I mean, I don't know how deep we want to go, but um, my natural state 
I'm actually quite type B, which I don't come across many other people that I think self-identify because I think there's a little bit of like, we're not supposed to be like that. Like, you know, I was programmed at a young age by, I would say maybe not purposely, this isn't like a blame your parents moment, but I think it was just kind of society and, and generationally the parenting was kind of like, you know, you need to be on top of it and be responsible. And based on the lifestyle and the parenting that I had, it was like, I was very responsible at a very young age. And I knew that to be successful, I needed to be very organized and like achieving sort of traditional success in, in that way of like, you know, getting all the good grades and that. And some degrees of that came very naturally and easily to me. But when I'm left to my own devices, I'm actually very, I can be very present and in the moment and slightly unorganized, <laughs> which for people that are type A, it's totally maddening because it just doesn't make sense. Like this is not efficient. This, you know, and and my husband is much more type A. All that to say, I really believe that as a family, we thrive when we are working as a team. And so the gardening component is a team moment for us where the kids are in and out of the garden with me, just like they're in and out of the kitchen with me. We've always had them help with quote unquote chores. I don't consider gardening a chore, but they probably do. So dishes, laundry, again, even at a very young age, these are the things I like to have their help on. And I am okay with them witnessing me do work on the other hand is something I try to keep more separate. I don't like to be on my phone a lot with the kids. And I don't feel like I get my best work done when I'm doing emails or writing or whatever blog, you know, creating content when it's my time with them. So I try to sort of compartmentalize my days like that, where it's like work I do with the kids and work that I do on my own. But yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how I've, so I do time block to a certain degree. I just really try to protect my time with the family. It doesn't mean I don't do things that I don't do chores or tend the garden or cook the meals or sometimes create content for Instagram or something with them. But most of the time um, that is, you know, do the life together as a team time. And then the entrepreneurial endeavors, I try to kind of just do on my own. Also to sort of, for me, it feels very self-respecting to be like, okay, this, you've committed to this as your career and as your profession. So you deserve to go all in on this and have them not get half of you or work, get half of you in that moment, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I mean, I've been working from home and doing my own thing for, I guess, 10 years. My daughter is 10, my third, and that's when I started my business. And yeah, it's interesting. It's like you said, how deep do you want to go? It's interesting you said that, you know, almost your upbringing and just the culture kind of conditions us to be more type A, especially I, I feel women. And I have this huge question mark sometimes when we go really deep into like couples therapy or something like, am I type A? (laughs) My husband would swear I am, but there's a lot of me that really likes, like I thrive on being in the moment, being really intuitive with what the needs and the priorities are in that moment. And that's why I love what I do because I can kind of turn off the work when I want and need to. And so there's, uh, you know, I'm all about rhythm and routine and this kind of like flow and structure, but there's this real like breathing in and breathing out that I also appreciate. So yeah, that's, it's really interesting to hear that from you. Well, and I think the type A type b reminds me of 
us trying to make introverted versus extroverted very black and white. And I think yeah. it's similar to where it's like, I'm actually probably like an introverted extrovert. So I'm like a type B type A where like I, similar to you, I really like a rhythm and I actually do, I love a lot of structure and, but I kind of, again, like I, I put like, I don't know how to describe it and I should become better at describing it because it does really work for me. I like to have, so every single Sunday afternoon, I take my daughter, uh, my it's my middle kid to the grocery store with me. And it's a routine and it's a little flexible when that happens, but that happens every single Sunday. And it anchors both of us into one-on-one time with each other, which is really important for me with each of the kids. But it also is achieving, obviously, a task I have to achieve, but we've made it fun and we crave that time now. And it's like totally transformed grocery store shopping with me, our one-on-one time together, like this whole thing. But I find that like the type A, type B, it's just all about control. And I think what level of control you desiring at all times and how well, how resilient you are when you lose control. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm working on that being resilient when I lose control. (laughs) We all are. (laughs) (laughs) So putting gardening aside on like a broader level in what day ways or yeah, just in like a more metaphoric level, like how does gardening represent a return to self for you? And so if there's a parent out there that maybe gardening isn't the thing that's calling them, but it's, it's something else that is calling them or it's this tiny little voice in them that's asking them to show up for themselves in a different way. Do you have any advice or wise words for a parent who's just not sure how to create space for themselves like that? Big time. I didn't even realize that I needed this. I feel like it was beyond me, this, the turn of events, but I really gotten out of touch with my intuition and my self-trust, which is why I wasn't doing a lot of self-care or pursuing any sort of exploration of what it felt like to be free as myself, I guess, to describe it. And it wasn't like I was acting like anyone else or not being me or not, you know, I wasn't being inauthentic. I just wasn't really pursuing all sides of me. I had kind of boxed myself in a little bit. And I was always really looking for like my per- my purpose, my calling. And like, I was very feeling very off in that way. And sort of investing in myself with the gardening, I didn't realize that that's what I was doing. But what I had done is I created a space for myself to just really play and be free and figure out a style that worked for me. And so gardening for me was very much about this co-creation. Like there are boundaries, there are confines, there's a lot that's out of your control, right? So there's like a certain way There's like how to garden, but then there's so much gray area where it's kind of like a lot of maybe this will work, maybe it won't. And I really, that really opened me up to realizing how much I just wanted to be a little bit wild in one area of my life. And I know gardening, like, you know, sounds kind of like wild. Okay. But I just wanted to like be a little footloose and fancy free. Like maybe I'll sow a radish seed today. Like let's get crazy. But it was, it was having, I mean, I think the thing people don't realize, especially with gardening, but I could see how it sort of transcends the topic is like the awe that comes from even still after all these years, seeing the seeds sprout and and watching a giant, you know, head of lettuce come from a teeny, teeny, tiny seed. And then you eat it and you cook with it. And it's 
just so multifaceted. But, you know, if I had only known that just taking the time to really just discover something new that I had always wanted to do would really help me see some blind spots and see like, wow, I had really like sort of lost a sense of self in terms of like just kind of trusting that I could figure it out, trusting that I had some innate knowledge trusting that it'd be okay and trusting it'd be okay if I failed. And these are all the things like our children learn through play that we, again, sort of, I feel like have been conditioned out of because I feel like we're always looking for like an ROI in life, you know, like a return on investment, a return on your effort. Like if I do this, then what? And it gardening for me really helped open up like, I don't know, then what? Who cares? Like, let's just do it. And it became very fun to play with the rules and break them and figure out what worked and and let it look the way I wanted it to look or not care about how it looked mm-hmm. and just and all of that. So my it makes me think of my mom. She is not into gardening, but she's really into sewing and crafting and crochet and like kind of pursuing some of those hobbies. And similarly, she's, I think, done something similar where she's found kind of like her thing, but it took sort of playing with, do I like the rigidity of knitting or do I like sort of freestyling crochet or she, you know, do I like making cute little tea towels with paint? Like you mm-hmm. kind of get to rediscover how do I like to do things and then how do I do more of that and let it inform you of you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were able with a lot of those things, you are able to bring your children into it too. Because I think when, when we have young children at foot, it feels like we never have that perfect moment to ourselves. So how can we bring these little pieces of like self-care and things that we're interested in into our daily lives with children is definitely how I've explored it. Although I tried knitting because I was, I thought I'll try that. That seems really interesting. And I gave up after like my fourth child was just (laughs) always pulling the knitting out. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think like what I found really, maybe this is going to sound terrible because I haven't really said it out loud, but I feel really proud that my kids, I feel like they know me a lot better than I knew my parents to a degree. Like they know mom loves gardening and they know that I love like flowers and bugs and like they know a part of me really deeply now. And I think that it's cool for them to get to see me as an individual person with like favorite things and hobbies and passions and like a lot to teach. And I think a lot of times really little kids, especially when they're asked questions about their parents, they don't know the answers. Yeah. And I think everyone's missing out on that richness of those interpersonal relationships, like even with your kids, because it's maybe more fun or more easy or more appropriate to just lean into them. But I've really asked them to lean into me too. And and sometimes out of necessity, because it does become my work. It's like, no, I actually have to go sow seeds now for, you know, mm. for the book or for the podcast or whatever. And I don't know. I'm I'm just grateful that I get to experience life in this way and have this layer that they also get to witness and be a part of. Mm. So can you share a little bit more about the Kitchen Garden Society? It's called, right? And yeah. and everything else that you do, where people can find you and what resources you offer. Yeah, sure, sure. So I know there's sort of lot, lots of stuff going on. We're working, <laughs> working on simplifying everything for everyone. But the Kitchen Garden Society is a monthly membership where every single month, month by month, we are gardening and you get information that's unique to your U.S. hardiness zone. So you know what to 
so tend task harvest transplant for you in that month. And then you also get seasonal recipes, lessons that are timely for the season and inspiration for every single day, how you can live more intimately with nature. So that's a monthly membership. And then I have a podcast called the Garden Culture Podcast. And we interview people that have made nature and gardening a priority in their life. So they're usually someone who's pursuing some sort of an interesting path in life, but it may not have to do with gardening, but they garden. And it's always like the most fascinating conversations and really fun. And then I do some sort of basic gardening information on the podcast too. And then you can find me on my own website or Instagram, just my name, baileyvantassel.com or at Bailey Van Tassel. And there you can find more resources like you mentioned, you know, like the planting calendars. I have like a kitchen garden blueprint for anyone that's getting started that wants like a cheat sheet for the gardening method that I basically use, things of that nature. Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you. And then the last question that I ask everyone on the podcast is, what is one rhythm or routine or ritual that feels really good for you in your life right now and that's serving you in some way? Oh my gosh. So yeah, I'm getting better at this. So it's fun to answer this question, <laughs> but I do, I've always dedicated between 30 and 60 minutes a morning to me. I wake up before my children. I'm naturally an early riser, so don't feel bad if you're not, but I do wake up you know, my good days somewhere between four and five in the morning. And I like to do some like face ice rolling or gua sha or dunk my face in ice water, mm-hmm. <laughs> which sounds jarring and crazy, but I like love it. I've seen and then it. I'll, I'm really interested. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'll do some sort of, I'm working on a really big project right now. So I'm usually writing in the mornings, but sometimes that's journaling. Sometimes that's gratitude. But I did mention, so that's kind of, a ritual, a morning ritual or rhythm, I would say. And I did mention taking my daughter to the grocery store, which I'm, mm-hmm. we're like obsessed with this time. But I as well introduced time with my son in the evenings. He gets to stay up later because he's the oldest mm-hmm. and they share a room. So we stagger bedtime to make that smoother. And so with him, we spend about 15 minutes before bed, like reading a special book together. And that has been really fulfilling also. Just coming up with these little rituals with each kid that's very very them and getting to like be so present and lean into that either every day or within a a weekly rhythm has been, it has allowed me to lean even more confidently into my self-care because it's like, you know, I just really want to get that good stuff in with them. And then it helps me be a little bit more free with my time for me. Yeah. Because you know, you've connected with them in that way. Yeah. 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 And I know you're maybe not supposed to, I know it's oxygen mask on you first, but in this season of motherhood, I will find a way to meet my needs. And they really still, I think, need to be seen a lot. And I really want to inspire that confidence and appreciation for them from me. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I totally resonate with that. And that was really a a good little insight for parents. That's actually a question I get a lot when I'm coaching parents is how to stagger bedtimes with children and also if they share a bedroom. And I often advise them exactly like what you just said, where the older one kind of gets to have that 15 or 30 minute window staying up a little bit later so you can stagger and then you get that individual time. So that was, that's awesome. Well, and we've positioned to the middle if this is just just because it's working, I want to share. I also yeah. feel, you feel proud when things are working. It's like we I know. 
I help her understand that it's her alone time for bedtime too. So I get to put her to bed, just us, even though it's earlier. I don't think she quite, she's four. So she's time eludes her a little bit still. So she gets her one-on-one time with mom for bed while brother goes and does something. And then I do my, you know, but it's still like, she gets to have a special moment in there too. It's just a little different and at a little different time, but that's like massaged that really well. Yeah. Well, thank you for all of your gardening and parenting advice. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you for having me. It's, I could talk about this stuff all day and I think you're doing such a great job with your work and I, it's just so lovely. So I'm grateful to be a part of it. Yeah. No, thank you too. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you found it inspiring or helpful, please share it with friends and family or subscribe. If you're looking for information and inspiration, head to MeganRoseWilson.com. Hey, one more thing, the fine details. I hope you found today's episode informative and enjoyable. The Rhythm Routine and Reverence podcast and content posted by Megan Rose Wilson are presented solely for general informational, educational, and entertainment purposes. The information shared here should not be considered a substitute for professional medical, health, or legal advice. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked to the podcast or website is used at the user's own risk. Listeners should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice in consulting with their own trusted and qualified healthcare professionals, physicians, psychotherapists, or other experts. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Rhythm Routine and Reverence or its host, Megan Rose Wilson. We do our best to provide accurate and up-to-date information, but we make no representations or warranties of any kind express or implied about the completeness, accuracy, reliability, or suitability of the information discussed in this podcast. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge and agree that Rhythm Routine and Reverence and its hosts, guests, and producers will not be held responsible for any consequences or actions taken as a result of the information presented in this show.